The following podcast is a production of the Factual Data Creations Facility. Welcome to the OFNT Podcast, episode 182, which I'm calling Rantless and Storyless. Well, summer has decided to end with a vengeance as my area is undergoing a hopefully only week-long heat and high humidity wave. From my experience, this can go two ways. Either we'll have a gentle winter or go from boiling hot to freezing cold. Well, what do you say we... Get on with the show now. Tech news. Being that the tech press is holding its collective breath for Apple's September 12th iPhone event, I'll just start off with what little tech news I have with Apple. The OG of the tech press, CNET, has an article which runs down the rumors of Apple's next iPhone SE, which is presumed to be coming next year. The current iPhone SE, which my son has, by the way, is based on the old iPhone 5 design, which dates back to 2012. Wow! Which features a teeny tiny 4.7-inch screen. The internals have been updated with modern chips, and the display is retina with true tone enhancements. Of course, the cameras have also been updated. It's a great starter phone for kids and old farts such as myself or those that just want a basic functioning smartphone. The SE is Apple's entry vehicle into the iOS ecosystem and it costs $429 for the 64 gigabyte version. The SE is also the current choice for those who prefer a smaller form factor in a phone, especially with the failure of the fully modern iPhone mini, which has been discontinued as of last year. Folks whined for years about having a fully equipped modern iPhone in a smaller package, but when given what they wanted, they failed to buy it. This just goes to show how a small vocal minority can influence a company into producing a failure by being amplified by the Internet. Now, I haven't been on an Apple forum for a while now and wonder if these people are still whining about that. I assume the comeback is, you had your chance, now shut up. That would be my comeback anyway. CNET thinks the new SE would feature a design similar to the iPhone XR, which debuted in 2018 and was equipped with a 6.1-inch screen. You know, that's considerably larger than the 4.7-inch screen the current SE rocks. Instead of an LCD screen, the new SE would come with an OLED screen. Instead of the Face ID the XR was equipped with, CNET thinks the new SE would retain Touch ID with it being built into the power button, a la the current generation of the iPad Air and Mini. Like all the iPhone models that are going to be announced next week, the SE will ditch the Lightning connector in favor of USB-C, and that probably makes a lot of people happy. The processor will most likely be updated to that of current iPhones and will be equipped with an Apple in-house designed 5G chip. If the giant fruit company can keep the price around what it is now, I believe the 2024 iPhone SE could be a runaway bestseller for the company, just like the XR itself was when it was released. What do you think? Apple's M3 MacBook plans could be in jeopardy this year, reads the headline from Digital Trends. 
Last month, we heard that if there are M3 MacBook models released this autumn, it won't be via an event, but by a humble press release. Instead of an M3 MacBook Pro and Air, we might just see the 24-inch iMac get the M3 chip this year. Yay! Yeah, that's fine by me. The 24-inch iMac hasn't been updated since 2020 and still has the old M1 chip powering it. In fact, the new iPad Pro lineup might beat the MacBook to the M3 chip punch. We'll just have to sit back and wait and see what happens. I mean, what else can we do? The Western Journal has a report saying that Disney's CEO, Bob Iger, has a secret plan to sell the beleaguered house of mouse to, wait for it, Apple. What? I've been seeing a lot of videos on YouTube reporting this, and while it kind of makes sense, I feel that it isn't going to happen. First off, Apple has never, and I mean never, has bought a major corporation. The company tends to purchase small tech firms under the radar. Secondly, I don't think the government, or any government actually, not just this one, will allow such a purchase which would create a tech media monopoly. Hey, but I could be wrong. If you grease the right palms, uh, who knows what can happen. Yes. I'm not that sure if Apple would even want Disney, which has damaged itself to the point that all sides of the political spectrum hate them as evidence of the money-losing streak of movies that the company is currently riding. What I do know is that Disney's stock is down almost 60% from their high point of a couple of years ago, with no end in sight. China is banning the use of iPhones for official duties by all levels of government personnel. This news has made Apple's stock drop, which is angering many in the financial world. I think this move is in retaliation for the restriction of U.S. tech from being imported to China, and also Apple's slow but steady moves to decouple from the communist giant in favor of India. What a difference a year or so makes. I remember reporting that Tim Cook China. had kissed the proverbial butt of the Chinese government by inking a multi-billion dollar deal with them, promising a guarantee of using Chinese companies as exclusive suppliers, along with training and technology transfers. The document described the deal as a win-win for both sides. What's changed? I guess the bean counters over in Cupertino figured that India can be an even larger market than China and that labor is actually cheaper to exploit, I mean use, than the labor in China. Thank you. That and the control the Chinese government exercises over everything within the country can put Apple at a disadvantage. I've never understood why Apple and other corporations put all their eggs in one basket by almost exclusively manufacturing everything within China. Wouldn't it be better to diversify the supply and manufacturing chain? Then again, what do I know? I'm just an aging pensioner who can afford a microphone and an internet connection. The old intertubes were up in arms over the new Huawei phones, which are powered by domestically produced chips, manufactured using the extreme ultraviolet lithography, which is a restricted technology developed by Dutch company ASML. So, what happened? Well, either the Chinese somehow figured out this technology on their own, or most likely someone somewhere made a nice stack of money. Us peasants will probably never know, but you know the old saying, money talks and everything else walks. Words of wisdom, Lloyd. Words of wisdom. PC Gamer has the headline, After 28 years of service, Microsoft is killing WordPad. I remember using WordPad on my Windows 95-powered Quantex tower system because I couldn't afford to buy Microsoft Word. These days, you lucky youngsters have a plethora of free, full office suites from a variety of companies. 
The article goes on to blame Google Docs for WordPad's demise, and I agree that it's just one of many of the alternatives that help kill off the old poor person's word processor. Well, farewell, old friend. I can't say that I'll miss you, but you've become another piece of my rapidly deleting past. Now, what would a tech news section be without something from the Big G itself? Our buddies over at the formerly Don't Be Evil company, Google. There were more leaks of the upcoming Pixel 8 Pro this week, including a new temperature sensor and a physical SIM slot. Three colors the Pixel 8 Pro will be available in were also revealed. And those colors are blue, porcelain, and black. We'll have to wait for October 4th to see if there will be anything that hasn't leaked from Google yet. Oh, and happy birthday, Chrome OS. The Light Client operating system turned 15 this month. 15? Has it really been 15 years since Google sent me its first Chromebook? Instead of putting in a sound effect, I'll just say it. Wow. And finally, for the tech news section, while I still see a lot of hit pieces concerning Elon Musk's X, formerly known as Twitter, I haven't seen the usual gazillion articles about its competitor, Meta's Threads, lately. Uh-oh. Usually these types of articles flooded my newsfeed, praising any new feature added no matter how insignificant, and shouting out to all who'd listen that Threads was set to displace X as the so-called Internet's town square, whatever that means. Word on the street is that nothing is happening on Threads, and the service just doesn't have the same vibes as X does. Well, it's all on you now, Blue Sky. <laughs> Tech I'm using. Well, I know I seem to repeat myself every week, but again, there's not much going on as far as tech at the Old Fart Residence. I did purchase a new mouth irrigator from Amazon, though. Stay tuned for my in-depth review of it. No! All of my tech items are working as they should, with only the new iPhone on the horizon for me and my lovely wife in regards to any new tech we'll be obtaining. My son ordered himself a new gaming PC, which should be showing up here real soon now. I'm excited to see it in action, more excited than I ought to be, as I'm not any kind of gamer and have no intention of becoming one. My milestone birthday is coming next month, and I hope to take possession of a brand new M3-chipped iMac to celebrate it. Well, the way it's looking, though, it's just not going to happen. That money I was expecting, well, technically coming through, allows me no access to it until late October, which puts a damper on the whole iMac thing. Also, Apple hasn't even announced such an iMac yet, and they might not even do so. To soothe my pain, I just might go ahead and score one of those newfangled, well, sort of, 15-inch MacBook Airs to compensate. Time will tell. There is one thing I can talk about regarding tech I'm using, though. I enjoy using the Beats Fit Pro more than the AirPods Pro earbuds. I own both and use the Beats when I work out and the AirPods for general listening. I find that the Beats sound a lot better than the AirPod Pros do. The Pros sound kind of muffled to me and aren't as comfortable to wear. I use non-Apple replacement tips on both of the AirPods and Beats, and they're different makes, so I don't know if that has anything to do with the discrepancy. I'll mess around with the uh, AirPods a bit in the future and hopefully get to the bottom of it all. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. 
Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Entertainment news. Radio broadcasters sound off on artificial intelligence after AI DJ makes history is one of the headlines from ABC.com. Last June, I reported on a radio station out of Oregon, live, and that's ironic, 95.5. The station was the first in the U.S. to use an AI DJ based on the voice of human DJ Ashley Elzinga, aptly named AI Ashley. Ms. Elzinga and Live 95.5 were thrilled with what they had accomplished, but I pointed out back then that the real Ashley might be putting herself out of work in the future. Of course, the radio station was ecstatic because that was one less real person they would have to pay. While the people within the industry who are referred to as talent, you know, the on-air personalities and disc jockeys, are not only skeptical, but fearful of AI. The owners and managers of these stations, however, couldn't be more happy about this development. The company Futuri, whose Radio GPT product makes this all possible, claims that Radio GPT can write scripts, find stories, post to social media, and what I consider the scariest part, interact with listeners and other AI-generated personalities. As I've said before, the lure of radio, to me anyway, is knowing that there's actually a real-life person speaking into a microphone on the other end of it. These program managers and other middle managers won't be so happy when they themselves are replaced by Radio GPT or some other AI technology. This gives new meaning to the old advertisement slogan. Is it live or is it Memorex? Hey, that's an old farts reference I just served up to you. (laughs) Do you subscribe to Max, formerly known as HBO Max? Are you a news junkie? Do you get your news from CNN? Well, if you answered yes to those questions, this next item is just for you. No. According to a report from Salem News, Max is going to start having live news pop-ups during your programs. No matter what you're watching, you'll be getting these pop-ups at the bottom of your screen as if you're actually watching a news program. Well, I guess someone over there at Max sold this to management as a good idea. This all must be part of the resurrection of the formerly killed off CNN Plus, now called CNN Max I told you about previously. Let's just hope you have the option to toggle off these distracting pop-ups while watching a movie or show on the expensive Max streaming service. Well, I can see the utility of this pop-up feature for real breaking stories like a terrorist attack or something, God forbid. I just can't see it as beneficial for the viewer to be interrupted for a headline like Trump says bad words or some other minor story blown out of proportion, which CNN is famous for. I don't know about you, but I watch services like Max to get away from all the news noise in my life. Podcast news. This from Inside Podcasting. The daytime talk show, The View, has launched a daily podcast. Yep, just what everyone has been calling for, need demanding. The podcast is called Behind the Table and will feature candid conversations from the hosts of The View, along with comments from the peanut gallery. In this case, some of the crew from the show. I guess if you're a fan of this show, well, your dream has become a reality. Continuing with Inside Podcasting, 
Spotify's podcast business was the subject of a lengthy profile in the Wall Street Journal, which revealed that the company spent between seventy to $250,000, you heard that right, per episode on shows produced by Gimlet, while spending five to $20,000 per episode on shows produced by my old favorite podcast studio, Paracast. Now, that's a lot of dough. No wonder Spotify recently disbanded those studios. Talk about inefficiencies. I don't know about Gimlet, but I know Parcast wasn't spending more than $5,000 per episode before being bought up by the streaming music giant and still had excellent production. Seems to me Spotify was taken advantage of by these studios. If I had a budget of 5000 bucks per episode, I'd be able to produce a top-notch podcast and still have a lot of money left over. And that's after hiring a researcher, a writer, and an audio engineer. I still can't get over a single podcast episode costing $250,000, though. I wish the name of the podcast and episode was disclosed so I could hear it to see if Spotify got its money's worth at least. From the Podcasting Business Journal, SiriusXM, Barometer, and Arts AI have teamed up to launch a so-called brand suitability and safety tool that gives reporting mid-campaign. This service will scan your show to ensure the correct political theology is being followed and other things. I've covered the mysterious Barometer Company episodes ago and pointed out the equally mysterious funding it gets and that its management appear to be mere cutouts. If I'm remembering correctly, the Department of Homeland Security or some other government entity is funding this outfit, as well as Barometer's competitors, which the company then teams up with now and again. To sum up, if you don't tow the ideological line and you and your podcast depends on advertising, well, you and your show will find itself demonetized. Consider yourself forewarned. You know, I envy those podcasters and YouTubers who cover the comic book video game and movies derived from them. It seems that they never run out of content to cover and are enthusiastic as heck while bringing their audience the latest news on the genre. I enjoy listening and watching them, even though I have absolutely no interest in these things. I guess it's just the host of these shows DNA because I can't get myself to that level of excitement for things I'm actually very interested in. Well, I guess that's why they're so successful. As far as things go on the home front, I've decided to buy a Rodecaster Duo next month to replace the Behringer DBX and Motu hardware I've been using to produce this sorry excuse of a podcast, thus wasting all the money I've spent on them and the digital plugins I've been accumulating lately at an alarming rate. Besides taking pressure off my computer's CPU, a lot of area will be freed up around my recording area, which will make my lovely wife very happy. Oh, wait a minute. Don't tell her about this purchase. She doesn't know yet. No, dear. That's wrong. Yeah, it is no story time or rant this week. I received but one piece of feedback regarding the four audio samples I asked you to rate last episode. Number four was the favorite of the lone responder to the question, and I agree with the opinion. No one bothered at all whether I should continue the rant or story section, much less read excerpts from my novel. So, going forward, I'll be reading those excerpts until I don't feel like doing so any longer, and then go back to ranting or telling boring stories nobody but myself seem to care about. Also in the future, I'll be figuring out how to switch to the value-for-value value method of monetizing this show. Not because I expect to make any money from this, I just wanted the challenge of figuring it out. 
Well, there's that music again telling me the show is ending for the week. Hope you enjoyed this episode. I enjoyed making it for you. If you like what you heard, you can make a donation using the link in the show notes. Any and all donations will be greatly appreciated. You can always reach me at OFNTPodcast at gmail.com if you're so inclined. I enjoy hearing from you. Remember, don't listen to what they say. Watch what they do. Hey kids, don't you have school tomorrow? Well, you can start preparing by getting off my lawn. Stay skeptical. I'm out. See ya. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.